Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag BYU. I'm familiar with it because uh, we had that offense here when I was at BYU. I love the concepts, I uh, love the schemes, carry over from when I played here under Norm, Norm Chow and Lavelle Edwards. And so uh, you're looking at it, the concepts are still the same. Execution, all that, it still matters. And so my first introduction is that I played under the system. The next thing is that defending it. Uh, there's a things. There's some ways you can you can uh, defend it, but there's also, it's, it's such an, a, a unique offense that there's a lot of different ways to attack it. But there's a lot of ways that they can counter as well. So it's going to be a good matchup. Looking forward to it. There's Kalani Sataki basically saying, yeah, I'm really familiar with the offense. I know what to do, but I'm not going to blurt it out now. But I'm too nice a guy to shut you down, and I don't have the cachet of Bill Belichick to just say, on to Cincinnati, on to Miami, and blow you off. So he kind of talked around it there, kept going. But, yes, what they're running at USC is kind of like what they're running at Washington State. And you go back through the coaching tree and Mike Leach sitting in the stands at BYU, really not the typical coaching tree. It's not like he was Lavelle's offensive coordinator. But sitting in the stands, watching what they were doing, borrowing a ton of stuff. So the question is, are BYU's athletes good enough to stop the athletes USC has? Because we know USC athletically is loaded. What's the difference between 5-7 and seven last year and 2-0 and oh this year? You, know, you could start out with quarterback play, probably start out with fewer turnovers, and maybe it's just a small sample size. Or maybe they really found something. The next two games will tell us a lot, and by then the Utes and Cougars will be done with USC. Those are the next two games. BYU wants exposure. That's part of the deal. That's part of independence. That was from the moment they announced independence what they wanted. And, hey, you don't get better than 1.30 on an over-the-air network, ABC. Literally the whole country can watch it, even the cord cutters. It's right there. Now what do you do with it? No. Home field has not been good to BYU the last couple of years. There haven't been enough wins. There have been some embarrassing wins. They lost to the Utes at home in the opener. Take another crack here against BYU. We can get into this more later in the show. And there's actually discussion up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. You can go to it right now, or you can tweet at us. What does, you know, how does BYU beat USC? What do they have to do to pull the upset here? I think the shorthand is what it usually is. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. How do they get three takeaways? I think the best way there is probably pretty similar to the way they defended Utah. Drop eight, keep the ball in front of you. Yeah, they got bigger, faster guys because they're USC. They're pretty much bigger and faster than everybody. Keep them in front of you. Make them drive down. Don't let them have, you know, they can't go 75 yards in three plays with some 50-yard gain in there. Long drives, see if they'll make a mistake, see if you can get a young quarterback confused, especially in the red zone where you're not worried about getting beat deep. Get some turnovers. Maybe they miss some field goals. The more you hang around when you're the underdog, the more the pressure grows on the favorite, and maybe you can get them to do something completely ridiculous, and they'll melt down for you. So extend the game. I expect they'll be dropping eight like they did against Utah. All right, more on this game coming up. You can tweet at us your theories. How do they do this? How do they pull the upset? We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag Utah. 
He's got a great deal of confidence right now in what he's doing. He's got a great grasp of what Andy's scheme is all about, and Andy's done a great job with Tyler. He's in the top ten in the nation in QBR, which is the real, that's what you pay attention to. If you want to know how your quarterback's playing, look at the QBR. That's the best analytic or evaluation of how your quarterback is, is helping your team out and contributing. And right now he's in the top ten, and that says a lot. Tyler Huntley getting all the kudos from Kyle Whittingham. Of course, the real question, and and he has been really good. I mean, not only is he not turning the ball over, he's not even really throwing incompletions. He's had a few drops. A few times the smart move has been to throw the ball away, and there just haven't been that many incompletions. But what happens when they play a tougher schedule? What happens when the other guys have more talent? Utah's been favored. They've done what they're supposed to do through two games. It's Idaho State, so we're all expecting them to do what they're supposed to do through three games. Here's the final tune-up. Get as healthy as you can because then it's conference play, it's USC, and it's on. And other than that, I don't have much for you on Idaho State. I wish they didn't play these games, but the goal is to have six home games every year and seven home games some years. And the only way to do that is to buy opponents. And the Mountain West declared itself a... out of the business of one-offs. And it's not completely true because you can still go up and down Mountain West schedules and they're still doing it. I don't think LSU's coming back to visit Utah State, but they really don't seem to want to do it with uh, Pac-12 teams, especially with Pac-12 teams not named USC. So they're buying Big Sky games and then they kind of turn into snooze fests. And as long as that BYU-USC game is close, I would imagine for a lot of local sports fans, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'll look at you and get a score in the commercial break, but then i got to go back and see this game as long as it's competitive. Keep an eye on the Cougars and Trojans. It's 2.15 on the Pac-12 Network, and a BYU game starting at 1.30. It'll be about one quarter in front of it. The first quarter ought to be done in Provo by the time they kick off in Salt Lake. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. All right, there is a ton of college football for you to watch, depending on how deep a dive you want to do. I think the must-see game tonight is clearly Washington State and Houston. That's the game that's intriguing and appealing in the country. Uh, Washington State has had two easy wins. This is uh, an upgrade, Um, so we'll see what they do. They do have to go on the road. I think that's kind of the theme in the Pac-12 this this week. Uh, A lot of games for Pac-12 schools against group of five teams but largely high-end group of five teams and a lot of them are on the road so will washington state go to houston and stumble my guess is no they're 11 and 2 we know that mike leach was pumping them up in the summer to no end so i expect they handle this um but you always keep your eye on it because you never know because Houston's had some good teams and they've taken some people down. Washington State is favored by 9.5 in this game. Uh, Also tonight, Wake Forest is playing NC State. So uh, that game's at 4 o'clock on ESPN and then Wazoo and Houston uh, at 7.15. Also tomorrow, Stanford is an 8.5-point underdog at 17th-ranked Central Florida. Again, a group of five team, but a high-end group of five team, and they have put together a couple of awesome seasons here. And... 
Stanford, good luck. I mean, I think the question now is, why are you doing this? And I know the answer uh, we heard at media day, well, you know, when we scheduled them, UCF hadn't become UCF. USC's at BYU, obviously, so that's another, again, not a Power 5 opponent, classified as Power 5, but they don't really get to recruit with that brand. Colorado's at home against Air Force. Colorado's off to a good 2-0 start, beating CSU, beating Nebraska. Now can they handle Air Force and, you know, handle the funky option and assignment football a couple of Pac-12 teams have games against Power 5 schools ASU 2-0 won the two games they're supposed to now they got to go play 18th ranked Michigan State at East Lansing you know this is where PK says ASU's so young now they're going against what we think is a quality team on the road Michigan State's a 15 point favorite and uh, also Oklahoma at UCLA this will probably be awful it's on Big Fox 6 o'clock Oklahoma's favored by 23 and a half. And the way UCLA's played, Oklahoma's going to win by as many as they want to win by whenever they want to call off the dogs, and that'll do it. Well, Washington's home against Hawaii. Hawaii's uh, gotten off to a nice start, won a couple games, but uh, I would think they're wildly overmatched going to Seattle. It's one thing to beat Arizona at home. It's another thing to try and beat Washington in Washington. And uh, Oregon's at home against Montana. They're big sky money game. Montana's 2-0. They've had some good teams. Haven't been quite as good the last couple of years, but... I mean, they had a string of awesome years, so I guess there's, you know, they're still not awful. I don't think they'll go in there and pull the upset, but uh, worth watching. That'll be on the Pac-12 network tomorrow night. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. In the red zone. Peakley calling the defensive play action fake. Sold by Winston. Throws toward the end zone. It is a caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Godwin's got a touchdown catch against Carolina. Had two of the last time we played these guys. And the great throw by Winston hit him right in the hands in the end zone. Bucks take the lead. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go into Carolina and win. Defensive game. Cam Newton. Will he ever be Cam Newton again? I mean, the Cam Newton we knew just athletically so dominant. He could run. He could throw. He looked great just sitting in a pocket, picking guys out. But then he could take off if he had to. Got his team to a Super Bowl, but he's been hurt. And so it's not that dominant. And, uh, you know, you're out there playing at 70%. I mean, I don't know that he's hurt now, but I don't know that he's right either. He doesn't look. And maybe it's a confidence thing. Um, I don't know what it is. He was 24 of 50. I mean, they just threw it a ton. And you complete less than half your passes in the NFL. That's not going to get it done. And it didn't. They're on two. They've lost two home games. When will Cam Newton be Cam Newton again? Uh, for Jameis Winston, a turnover-free game. You know, he knows plenty of good things, but, man, he's been a turnover machine. There's a thing flying around on Twitter during the game last night, uh, a graphic about how he's got, since he came into the NFL, he's got the most interceptions. He's got the most turnovers. He's tied for the most fumbles. Uh He's brutal. You just, I mean, we get, we know about that stuff because Kyle Winningham talks about it all the time. You just can't turn the ball over like that and think you're going to have a lot of success. And, you know, they're, they're in a division that can be a little unforgiving. Atlanta's had some good teams. The Saints have been really good lately. Bucks are 1-1. One one. Panthers are 0-2 after that. Uh, big games this weekend. Raiders got a nice win to open up against the Broncos. But now they got the Chiefs. So how will that play out? I assume that it's the Chiefs and the Patriots in the AFC. Uh, they were so good last year. They look good out of the gate. There's nothing that happened in the offseason. I think they would take – it's a quarterback-driven league as long as their quarterbacks are healthy. I think they can ride through a lot of other stuff. 
So who else in the AFC is going to be good enough to beat those two guys on consecutive weeks when you get to the playoffs? Seems like a, a tall order. If you like a long-time rivalries and that kind of stuff, the Vikings are playing the Packers, and they both won their opener. So that uh, that's not bad. Uh, the Cowboys went out, won their opener, beat the Giants. They got another division game. They get to play Washington. So we'll see what they do. I'm a little curious what the Steelers are going to do. They just got thoroughly thrashed. And I know it's a quarterback-driven league, but when you get all your weapons stripped away from you, and they've lost a couple of skill players in Pittsburgh recently. They dropped their opener. Seattle's coming in. You know, are they going to fall to 0-2? So, few storylines few storylines to watch. The Sunday night game that you can hear right here on the Zone Network is uh, Eagles and Falcons. And we'll see. I was just talking about how Atlanta's had some good teams. But, again, they, they lost their opener. Now they got Philly in. 0-2 is not the end of the world. The odds are stacked against you. There's a ton of stats out there that say if you start 0-2, it's hard to make the playoffs. It's certainly doable. A 16-game season can be pretty forgiving. We've seen plenty of teams 4-4 four and four midway through the year take off and get to the playoffs. So 0-2 is not the end of the world, but it's certainly a much harder path. And teams like the Falcons, the Steelers will be at home trying to avoid that. I am curious about Saints and Rams. That game, they both won their opener. That's a rematch of the NFC title game. Uh, that game's uh, on Fox in the afternoon. I don't know if it's going to be carried locally, but I would hope so. But I don't know that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Fastball driven in the air to deep right field. Down the line towards the corner. Dyson over. He jumps. It's gone. Juan Lagares tucks it into the front row in the right field corner. For his second home run of the game, the Mets now lead the Diamondbacks 9 to nothing. The Diamondbacks' woes continue. PK warned us about this. Two up, two over 500, two under 500. And they got all the way to eight over. They got right to the edge of the wild card race. And now look at them. Beaten again. Uh, Seattle Mariners. They got a... Uh, I mean, they've been out of it for a while. But Kyle Lewis is the second player in Major League Baseball history to homer in his first three games. Rocky shortstop Trevor Story did it. Is this the start of some legendary career? Or, hey, the ball's flying out of the park. It's late in the year. He's all fired up, and everybody else is just trying to get to the end of the season. And then Mariners lose to Cincinnati 11-5. So playing the Reds, who aren't all that, playing out the string. But Kyle Lewis, great debut for him. Oh, the Mets score, by the way. The Mets crushed the Diamondbacks. 11-1 was the final there. The race to watch. The division races really aren't that dramatic right now. Uh, The National League Central. The Cardinals out in front of the Brewers and the Cubs. And the Cardinals win again. They just got to take care of business here over the last two and a half weeks. They've got uh, a four-game lead over the Brewers and the Cubs. And the Cardinals win again. Brewers and Cubs tied for that last wild card spot it's the nationals right now with the first wild card spot and they got a little breathing room before they get to the uh the brewers and the cubs got a three and a half game lead there dj and pk hashtag rsl rsl's back at it sunday afternoon in minnesota rsl second place minnesota just a point back in fourth place, and RSL has uh, had zero success in Minnesota. They've only been in the league a couple years, but they've been beaten both times they've gone up there. 
and they haven't been able to defend those guys. They lost 3-2. They lost 4-2. They played earlier this year in Utah, and Minnesota was one of the few teams to come in and not get beat, and they played to a 1-1 draw. That's uh, Sunday afternoon at 3.30. DJ and PK, there are the headlines. What is trending? And what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker at 9 o'clock. It's the red and the blue on Friday, the big game BYU and USC. Question of the day is up on our Facebook page. BYU, what do they got to do to beat the, U- beat the USC Trojans? How can they get it done? What's it going to take for an upset? We'll get to that next. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NFL football, Jameis Winston throws for 208 yards and a touchdown. Beats the Carolina Panthers 20-14. to Carolina drops to 0-2. College football tonight. Washington State facing Houston 7-15 on ESPN. That's right after North Carolina and Wake Forest at 4 o'clock on ESPN. Big games coming up this weekend include Florida State and 25th-ranked Virginia. That's on the ACC Network at 5.30. Bronco Mendenhall has Virginia nationally ranked. Arizona State and Michigan State play at 2 o'clock on Big Fox, and that's followed by Oklahoma and UCLA at 6 o'clock. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy. If you want better health and to feel better, check out Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy and ask about the Zone listener specials on cryotherapy, IV drips, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and more. Visit Restore.com for more details. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Yesterday, I had to get back in a hurry to produce the big show. As I got to the metal detector, I took my phone, my keys out, my name badge off, and put it in the little bucket. Waltzed on through like I always do, and it buzzed. And I had said as I walked through, uh, this never goes off, I'm okay. <laughs> and the guy with the wand comes walking over, he's like, oh, really? Uh-huh. And there's a binky in my pocket there you go. On, on a lanyard with a metal clasp on the end of it. And everyone looked at me like, the first thought they had wasn't, oh, you're a father. You, it was, you've been to a rave this afternoon, haven't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he said, I better hear about this with Tony or I'm going to let him know myself. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. At Master Electrical, they'll light up your day. Give them a call at 801-543-2222. They'll be right on their way. That's 801-543-2222. All right, PK, the question of the morning. How much faith does everyone have that BYU can upset USC? You got to have faith. You going to sing it? Not today. RV's a little too intimidating. You're not feeling the rock and roll after all the old Dominion? I feel like I'm at a SEC tailgate. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, right? LSU, where everybody tailgates on Wednesday. There's no traffic on Saturday. 
Yeah, I've been at multiple SEC schools on football weekends, uh, and it's really nothing like you see in the West, that's for sure. It is really unbelievable where they start to gather, and they have large fields for the RVs to be parked, and they do gather on Wednesdays, and it's just incredible. It's part of the reason why they win at the high level, I believe, because the demand and the requirement is there. They're supposed to put all that emphasis into football, and they pretty much get, to a large extent, what they put into it, for sure. Uh, but I think the Cougars, for themselves, they have to get on that field believing that they can win. Their fan base, and Gordon and I were having this discussion, it should get posted, we do a podcast called In Contention, and we're going back and forth on what we think the level of expectation is for the BYU fan base. He thinks it's still the way it used to be. I don't. I think the BYU fan base has recognized the reality of the situation and the years of going 11-1 and and whatever it is, 10-2, and and oh, obviously they can't get any conference titles. But these sterling records that they have and glossy records and phenomenal seasons, they're a thing of the past because when they're playing these many Power 5 teams, they just historically don't beat them at a phenomenal rate. So with that in mind, if you're playing five or six of them, you know, if you can go three and three, that's really good for you, for who you are, for who you've always been, even back to the glory years and the whatever you consider early 80s and late 70s. They weren't just rolling over. Six Power Five teams. Yeah, not, they, the, it, not the Power Five was a thing, but we still get it. You, yeah, it wasn't. And so, if you're going to play these teams, I think the best so, you can hope for is 500. So, why does Gordon think, not to give away all of in contention, but why does he think the BYU fans are right where they are in the glory days? Because I think you know, just with attendance and talking to people, it's pretty clear BYU fans have scaled back their expectations. They might be frustrated with that, or they might accept that, but they've still done it. Well, I think you have to listen to what his response is. I think for him, that is his coming of age. And so that's what he remembers as far as BYU football. They did it before, they'll do it again. That's that's his time. We all have our time. And what is your time when you're really paying attention to something, when you started to pay attention to something. And I think when he started to pay attention to BYU football, as he'll tell you, you know, he saw a lot of those games. He was there. So that's what sticks with you. But I think today's BYU fan that is coming of age has a better perspective on it. Or maybe not better may not be the right word. A different perspective. The truth is they don't beat these teams consistently. Consistently, They never have. I don't care if 83, 84, and they sent 87 guys to the pros and those teams and whatever. They still didn't do it. <laughs> they just didn't beat those teams consistently. And so... Yeah, Lavelle um, actually had, even with all those good teams, he got UCLA once. Yeah, I mean, UCLA's way down now, but they had some pretty good teams then. But he had a terrible record. It was like 1-6 and six or something like yeah. that against UCLA. Right. So it's who they are. And they're not going to go back, as I wrote about it this week, too, that Tom Homo saying that, well, they could schedule 10 wins. But you just don't want 10 wins to have 10 wins. And being an independent, the only way 
you can get any buzz is to beat big name teams. It's the only way. You're not going to get it beating New Mexico and Colorado State and and so forth and so on. You have to schedule these teams so they're in the rock and hard place. They have to do this. Hope that they can win. Strive to win. And really, it's no different. You know, I, I don't see where they're in any big calamity that most of the teams in the Pac-12 aren't in, and most of the teams in the Big 12 aren't in. It, it, it's we single out BYU. I think differently because they decided to go independent and nobody does that. And they used to win big time and now they're not. And maybe some of those teams before, a lot of them, they never did win consistently big time. The Cougars didn't win consistently big time in the late 70s and early 80s and through that that period. But now that they're playing a much, much different schedule, they're not going to win consistently. So they're they're but it's not like it's hopeless. Because if it's hopeless for them, then it's hopeless for Cal. It's hopeless for the Arizonas. They already mentioned UC Los Angeles, Oregon State, and I can go through the Big Twelve where six <laughs> of those teams have no chance to do anything great. None. Zero. So why do they do it? Why do I don't understand why we single out the Cougars? Well, what's the what's the point? What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to do what everybody else is trying to do. They're trying to win football games. Oh, and if they lose one game. Well, I, I can tell you, the Arizonas aren't going to the Rose Bowl. They're not going to big some fancy bowl. They rarely go to any big fancy bowl. So what, what's the point? Why are they doing it? Why do they just spend all these millions of dollars to renovate their facilities and improve them? Because it's not going to make much difference. It's not like, well, oh, now we got it, man. Look out. Now, the next 30 years... They are going to be sweet. <laughs> Who's saying that? <laughs> no one. So I don't understand why we single out BYU in Cause, that regard. Because they're here and because there are people like Gordon who came of age in a certain era and want that to continue on. But, but it's not. To your, to your big 12 point, you know, T-Bone Pickens just passed away. We were talking about him yesterday, 91 years old, billionaire philanthropist, and he put so much money into Oklahoma State. And for all of that, they won one conference title. Yeah, I know. And they won a lot more games. They were better. And they upped their profile, and their stadium's nicer, and their teams are better. But one conference title. There's two ranked teams in the Big 12 right now, and they're Oklahoma and Texas. What were the odds? Pretty yeah. good. So it's all about small victories. And if you have an opportunity to get a large victory, that would be great. But then this SC win, if they should get it, and then if SC wins three or, four, or loses four, three or four games this year, ah, oh, they're SC, not that good. SC was in a down year. <laughs> I know the problem with that, even though there's some truth to it, and that's why people keep saying it. The problem is when you look at like the top 10 or 15 teams in the country, they don't lose that many football games and they mostly lose to each other. The number of teams who take down any team in one of their big years is so limited. That's why they're their big years. They don't get beats. Yeah. And it's often to each other. But you still keep trying, man. You still keep trying. You get back up, and they, they're they not favored to win. Well, it's not, not a huge margin. It's a single digits, right? So have an opportunity. Kids got to believe they can do it. Coaches got to believe they can do it. And they got to play a flawless game. And that's just the way it is. Most of the time, they go up against these higher power five teams. You know, Kansas State, or Kansas State, the decent team in the Big 12. I don't know why I said Kansas State. But Tennessee is not a f- great team by any stretch. But BYU didn't play a flawless game in that way. So there is some margin there. 
They don't necessarily have to play completely flawless to win, but they're going to have to be at the top of their game, not give up big plays and so forth. Win the turnover battle? Turn them over a couple uh, times? Yeah. That would be nice. Obviously, that could help. But That is often mm. a, that is a common path to upsets. I think it's more important that you don't turn it over rather than they turn it over. You could get turnovers, but if you don't do anything with them, it doesn't much matter. Whereas yeah. they can get turnovers, and if they do something with them, I would be more concerned about not giving them easy scores. Obviously, against the Utes, they gave them, you can argue, 17, certainly 14 points. You just gave away. Can't do that. You cannot do that. There's no other way around it. So I'm not going to sit here and break it down. I'll leave that for other people on what they need to do. Our show is more goofiness. Don't give up big plays. The turnovers are the big plays, but those, you know, 50, 60-yard scoring strikes, and they're athletic enough to do it. they got plenty of guys who can do it. I, I just think we can limit the breaking down to what they did against Utah. Drop eight, keep the ball in front of you, make somebody drive down the field. <laughs> Ten plays. See if you can get them yeah, to make a mistake. You say that every time, though. Yeah. How's that any different? It's what they're going to do. It's what he did in game one. I, I don't think it's that different. More zone, less man. See if you can see if you can confuse a freshman quarterback. Get him rattled on the road. Yeah, I think right. they're going to have to score points. I, I would be more concerned about just going out and having fun. The question: How much faith do you have that BYU will upset USC? Phone lines are open eight five five three four zero zone. Because I don't understand this: If you have faith to move mountains, why can't you have faith to have BYU win football? What's the difference? Somebody explain to me what that difference is. Scott says, I think they will see low sales at concessions of the game because these games are only won with much prayer and fasting. Fasting, PK. No hot dogs, no popcorn. No candy. You need speed. I agreed. They need need fasting. You got to have speed. You know, football, to an extent, is just a game of organized tag. Speed wins. So you need to be fasting. It's all about you, PK. Daniel says, I got as much faith as PK has that his Sun Devils will win the Pac-12 title this year. So that's little to no faith. Yeah, I don't have that much faith, but I have faith that the Devils could beat the Utes 6 out of 8. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Frank, faith, not much. Hope, I got a little. Got to have faith. I really believe those guys have to do it. They have to have that. When they walk out on that field tomorrow afternoon, that's the element that they must have. They have to believe they're going to do it. Donald, I watched USC play. I'm worried about the receivers against our defensive backs. I think our offense can move the ball, but we can't turn the ball over at all. Stanford moved the ball, scored a couple touchdowns, stalled in the red zone, had to kick four field goals. Can be where you finish drives. Yeah, that's what I look from from the offensive perspective. You're not going to stuff SC. You're not just going to manhandle them. It's not going to happen. What you need to do to be able to surprise these guys is put the ball in the end zone the first couple times you get the ball. Uh, make a play from behind, put them under a little oh, pressure. You can play from even. I'm not going to roll out the cliches here. Go, go someplace else from that. Uh, but put the ball in the end zone. And even if you're not stopping them, put the ball in the end zone. Create some doubt into their minds that, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be a cakewalk. 
And the only way you're going to do that is to put the ball in the end zone. John, faith, none. BYU lost all faith for defeating any team the last few years. There is some hope, though. I don't know. John, that confuses me. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know. I understand the difference there. What is the difference? What, what are we getting at? I, need, I would need that I guess maybe, he, maybe he's saying that when you say faith, he's thinking expectation. I, I have faith. I really believe they're going to do this. Well, he didn't believe it. He hopes they'll do it, but didn't really believe it. didn't have faith. Okay, so what's the difference? I, I don't understand. What, what got, is the difference between faith and hope? You hope Jesus is on the other end when you die. You have faith he's there, right? You have faith to say, man, what you were doing all those years, <laughs> it's right. Garth says, faith is just desperately hoping. Hope with a little desperation. Why is it? I don't know that it's desperation. Why is it desperation? Garth doesn't explain. I can't help you with that. Garth, call us. 855-340-ZONE. Grab the phone. Use the app. Use the open mic. Steven says, I just want BYU to make it a game. I want to see USC struggle so USC can game plan. But USC still wins this. There's no doubt. That's where I think you have to score. Isn't it college football? Isn't there usually a little doubt? Most games, a little doubt. I mean, there's more doubt. And I get that USC's a favorite. I was surprised the line was as close as it was. It's been like four and a half. I thought it would have been more seven to ten. But it's not like it's UCLA, Oklahoma, where it just seems unthinkable and the line's up over 20 points. Not at all. I agree 100%. Yeah. Right. This is not a David and Goliath situation. It may turn into it, but it's not right now. And the players and the coaches, they have to believe it. I think the fans who go to the game need to believe it, too. I think they need to find a way to get these guys jacked. Be at the top of your game, fan base. Emotion matters a lot in sports. It matters yeah. a lot in football. But I think it matters a lot in college football. They're younger guys. they got less Fine. experience and less poise. And, you know, to your point about, hey, you put the ball in the end zone a couple times early in the game, maybe talent wins out. And, and they just come back from that because I think the first time the first time USC came to Utah for a Pac-12 game, Utah got a defensive score early and they got up fourteen nothing, and USC led by halftime and won comfortably. And talent just won the day. But if you're going to have a shot, put them on their heels a little bit because they are young kids. They do get rattled, and I mean I think it's why we love college football. It's you know the NFL football is kind of by the book. You know, they got a ton of time and a ton of film, and they seem to know everything. College football just seems to be a little more wildly unpredictable. Yeah, I don't know about that heels and all that stuff. To me, that's more cliche. It's just about put the ball in the end zone so then the other guys, they have to work. All right, DJ and PK, how much faith do you have in the Cougars' ability to pull an upset? We will get to that coming up. We got more of you weighing in on Twitter, more of you weighing in on Facebook. You can call us 855-340-ZONE. We also got the red and the blue on the way. We'll get the former players and their perspective on the Utes and Cougars this weekend. Kyle Gunther's coming up at the top of the hour on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hope is just hoping something will happen. Faith includes action. 
The difference between hope and faith, PK. Okay, well, obviously they got to have action out on the football field. Yeah, no question about that. You can't just hope it. you got to show that you can do it. That's why I really think offensively, that's what I want to say. I want to see these guys being able to move the ball early and put the ball in the end zone early in the game. It doesn't necessarily have to be the first possession. So, yeah, I can buy that if that's a little bit of a difference. Faith requires some type of action, whereas hope, you're just maybe sitting idly by. That makes sense to me. I can get my hands around that. We had some people in the uh, posting stuff on Facebook we were talking about in the last segment about what is the difference between faith and hope. People say they have no faith. They have some hope. Stinky Pear notifies us as the good book tells us faith is hope. Alma 32.21. I've got that scripture memorized. BYU Boozer at True Brew Coog. Faith without wins is dead. Faith with wins. Parentheses. Last week. Close parentheses. Gives us more faith this week. Up on the bus, it's filling up after Tennessee. I'm too busy reading Alma 3221. Okay, <laughs> lock it down. Yeah. Moment of contemplation. Always good. Always good contemplation. All right, 855-340-ZONE. Phones are open. Andre joins us now. Andre, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, gentlemen? Good. Good, Andre. How are you? How much faith you got, Andre? Good. First off, PK, you are the voice of the people. I appreciate your opinions every morning. Thank you. Uh, the only way BYU wins this game, it's not about the quarterbacks. It's not about turnovers. It's about Tyson Williams. They need to feed him the ball and feed him the ball and feed him the ball and keep that USC offense off the field. That's the only shot that BYU has to win this game. All right, I can buy that, man. So you want Tyson Williams to gain 15 pounds during the course of this game. You want him to be fed and fed often. You want chuck a down like there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's the DJ game yes, plan. Sir. Let's go. More taters. More taters. <laughs> okay, man. If Tyson comes out, uh, Andre, and they just give him the ball and he's getting five, six yards a clip, that is going to be awesome. That's the only way I see it. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly real fast. All right. Thanks for the call. You know, if that's the case, and and if I'm a Ute fan, I think I would like to see that because I can make a strong case that if the Cougars can run the ball on USC, then certainly a week from tonight. Paging Zach Moss. Right. Zach Moss, yellow courtesy line. Zach Moss, 25 carries. Because I think Zach Moss, since I've been here in 1993, I believe Luke Staley's the best running back that I've seen in this state. And there's been some real good ones. I understand that. And I realize when I speak, it's going to be polarizing to a degree. But I think I can make a case that Zach Moss is second best. There's a lot of NFL backs on that list. You're zooming him past. Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't played it down in the NFL. Right. I know that. Obviously, just in the Pac-12 era, uh, John White and Devontae Booker. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to play in the NFL because, as you just said, John White did not. Right. But he He was was very good. He was a very good college back. Right. So it's what they do at the collegiate level, not necessarily at the pro level. And you can go way back. I mean, Chris Fuamatuma Fala was... uh, I mean, he was in the pros for a while, but, uh, man, at the college level, he was just devastating. And don't forget Omar Bacon. Omar Bacon. Eddie Wide. Bring him now. Who else you got? 
Start listing right now. Juan Johnson. There it is. Darrell Mack. Come on. Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson, yes. Mike Anderson. Yep. <laughs> I was very precise in the way I said that. <laughs> oh, Matt Asiata. Matthew Asiata. I see him jumping into the end zone. The cousin the of Isaac Asiata. Uh-huh. I assume. I think I was told somewhere along the line. Yeah. So that would be great for the Cougars to see Tyson in his one season. That would be really sweet if he just creates a season that is memorable and goes over 1,000 yards. And everybody would be wishing, man, I wish we would have had him for more. But that would be still cool to come all the way out here, a kid from way over on the other side of the country, coming out here at the end. And that's one of the good things about BYU trying to get as much diversity. And when I mean diversity, I'm talking about career-wise. You know, the other type of diversity is fine, too. I don't discount that. But what I mean by that is get career diversity. So rather than get a bunch of guys from around here whose contacts most likely are from around here, get guys from around the country who have contacts from around the country. And then you can bring in a running back from the Carolinas. You can bring in a running back from Rice because if they have connections, uh, what's his face? Uh, Guy Holiday comes in from El Paso and brings in Jordan Leslie, right? There's a connection there, and there's a trust level. You've been around Guy Holiday for very long. You can see, you know, hey, man, that guy tells me something. That pretty much is the way it is, and I have a certain level of trust. So you send him out on the recruiting trail and say, son, I think you can like it here. I know we got some crazy rules that may be different, but you'll have no problem with them. So you can have that level of trust. So that's why I think it's good for BYU to extend that net in the coaching line as deep and as far as possible because you never know. And Tyson is the latest example of that. And he might, if he ends up having a 1,200, 1,300-yard season, it might be the best example of that. Actually, you're, you're probably onto something there because when I first heard local schools are going to be recruiting Florida, I remember thinking, really? I mean, it's going to be, you know the third or fourth tier out of Florida, right? The SEC's going in there. The ACC's going in there. There's multiple Florida schools chasing those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yet, look at look at Utah hitting on three guys from the same high school. And yeah, it's, it's been a phenomenal success story. And Kyle talked about how they're all going to graduate here in a couple of months. And uh, what is, what is, I love those types of stories. Everybody loves those types of stories. So I'd love to see Tyson on multiple levels have all sorts of success this year. And particularly if he has it this week, that bodes well for you Ute fans for next week because they can run the ball. And Zach Moss is a great football player. Hey, PK, I've got some good friends that will go into great depth about faith and hope. Give me a call and I'll uh, hook you up with them. You guys rock. Have them come over. I've got no problem having, you know, some type of discussion about those types of things. <laughs> I may know a thing or two. <laughs> Don't you kid yourself. DJ PK broadcasting live from the Utah RV Super Show. We are at the Mountain America Expo Center, 9575 South State Street in Sandy. Tim's with us. Why should people come on down to the Utah RV Super Show? What's the best thing about it? The best thing about it is there is something for everybody here. Whether you're just kind of getting started, you know, moving on from a tent to just uh, uh, going in a tent trailer, all the way up to motorhomes, there's something for everyone, for every budget. There's 
great financing here on site as well. So if you think that you uh, like camping in a tent, you're going to love camping in an RV. So smallest trailer RV, biggest trailer RV, because you can't just say trailer RV. I mean, they, you know, there's, there's a lot of flavors here. There are. You've got tent trailers on the low end. You've got all sorts of toy haulers. You've got fifth wheels in here as well. The toy haulers are one of the most popular that everybody uh, comes to look at. We have all these opportunities here in Utah to be able to get on ATVs and UTVs across the state of these great state parks. So a lot of those are the most popular. In fact, Utah is one of the highest in the nation in uh, toy hauler sales. All right. You were telling us uh, it's four days here, uh, 2 o'clock to 9 o'clock today and tomorrow. 10 to 9 on Saturday and then 10 to 4 on Sunday. It's 10 bucks to get in unless you avail yourself of some of the deals that are out there. That's right. So we've got our food bank promotion that we're going. So go ahead and bring a can of food for the food bank. That'll get you a dollar off and you can get up to half off your mission. So bring five cans, you get $5 off. We've also kind of flooded the market out there with coupons for uh, getting half off as well. So if you visit our website at utahrvsupershow.com, you can get a two for one coupon as well there. All right, and kids 12 and under are free. It's the Utah RV Super Show, Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, 9575 South State Street. Today through Sunday, it opens today at 2 o'clock. Thanks a lot. Thank you.